Hi, and welcome to IndieWire's Filmmaker Toolkit podcast. I'm Chris Ophal, the editor of the Toolkit. My guest today is Kitty Green, whose new film, uh, Casting John Bonet, is going. It was premiered at Sundance to rave reviews, and it's going to be on Netflix this Friday. Um, was it just midnight? It suddenly appears on Netflix. Is that right? I, yeah, I think it's midday P- Pacific time. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I assume everybody knows, but uh, the John Bonet and the title is John Bonet Ramsey, the six-year-old uh, beauty queen pageant. Um, who was murdered in 1986, or no, 96, and has been, you know, the unsolved murder has been media speculation, and at the time was, you know, cable news fodder. And, uh, you know, Kitty, in the beginning, one of the young women auditioning for the role of Jean Bidet, uh says, uh, do you know who killed Jean Bidet Ramsey right in the camera? And after watching the movie, it strikes me that that was the last thing that you were possibly interested in actually answering with this documentary. True. I mean, we're there've been there've been like ten books. There've been probably twenty, maybe thirty TV specials on who killed John Bonnet Ramsey. So what we were trying to do is something completely different and original. Um, and basically, we were focusing more on the community in Boulder, Colorado, mm-hmm. and how the community were infected affected by this crime than we were the case itself. Necessarily. It was really interesting. The way that you ended up doing this is uh, you go through an audition process uh, with local actors and actresses for the role of the parents, mostly the parents, who, who were prime suspects, or at least in the media speculation. And you explore the case through them trying to connect. I, I don't want to butcher your movie, but like through them trying to connect with the characters and being a member of that local community or being parents themselves or being some someone who's suffered depression themselves or all their different life experiences trying to latch on to the characters. Is that, that became, because I know this is something that you tried, what was the name of your short? It's uh, The Face of Ukraine. Yes. Cast it. It was yeah. a, something you had explored in a, a short in the same same manner. What, what, what about that allows you to kind of access this kind of looking at a community? We were looking at an unsolved case and a case where we probably won't ever know the answer, at least not in the foreseeable future, know what happened mm-hmm. that night in 1996. So what I was looking at was how does a community who've lived in the shadow of this crime, who are kind of, they can't escape it. It's been 20 years in the tabloids. It's still, she's still on the cover of magazines. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking at how they find closure, how they make sense of all of that, how the ambiguity and the doubt and the uncertainty surrounding mm-hmm. all that. That was kind of our interest. And I guess I was thinking about how you would approach, if you're going to play Patsy Ramsey in a movie, how do you play her if you don't know if she's guilty or innocent? Like, what in your own life, how do you connect to that character? How do you make sense of what, what went on? I mean, it sort of all, brings up all these questions, this kind of casting conceit mm-hmm. that we used, essentially. And there's something really interesting. I'm just wondering if this is something that you kind of discovered in making this short, but mm-hmm. there's something about that process that an actor goes through where... I, you know, I guess all everybody has their different process, but you have to find a way into the character. Mm. And so all of that stuff you just described is like thing, things that they use to find their way in. And so it becomes this, there's really kind of two things that we get at it. One is the way that they've processed the narrative, like how they've, this story has been told over and over again and how this really becomes more of like an entertainment story. But then also something like deeply personal as to like how they relate to, I forget what the parents' names are, but the two parents of the of Jean Benet. Yeah, what the, what was most surprising to me was how organic that was. So they would sit down and immediately, I mean, we had 
200 people in Boulder, Colorado that we interviewed, well, cast or interviewed. And as I sat down, I would ask them just immediately, what do you know about the JonBenet Ramsey case? And they would say, oh, well, my mother has bipolar disorder, so Patsy Ramsey must have had bipolar disorder, and this is why, because these how, that's how my mother behaved, that's how I saw Patsy in behave. So it's, it was interesting to me how quickly people were connected to their own kind of emotional, kind of, or their own story, personal stories, in order to kind of make sense of it in some way. Could you talk a little bit about your short, because this is clearly something, to, and I'm just assuming here, to have the confidence that you could do this on a feature because it's very, I, I don't think I've seen, I've seen other people play with this idea of performance and, but this idea of casting an actor, I have to assume there's something that you discovered in the process of making a short that made you look for something that you wanted to, to do this on a bigger canvas. Yeah, I had this, I was in Ukraine and I was trying to, I'd made another film about, the, about Ukraine that didn't address the conflict and then the conflict flared up and I felt like I needed to make something to address what was going on and what I was seeing on the streets of Kiev. And so I put together, I had this image of Oksana Bayul, the figure skater, crying and I had it on my desktop. It's an amazing, amazing image, like she's in so much pain but she's just won the gold medal. But you, it's sort of this mix between, is, are these tears of joy? Is this, are they real tears? Like what's going on in this? It was, it's a beautiful picture. So I wanted to recreate that image. So basically I got young Ukrainian girls oh, in, who were you know, living through this conflict to come and audition to play, to basically recreate that image over and over again. But while they were there, they, they would tell me stories about what they'd experienced during the conflict and the war and what they'd seen. And these stories were so powerful that by the time they got to this, to reenact this sequence, it was so heavy with emotion. So it kind of just worked really well. It's just like a nice way into, and a kind of an interesting, funny, quirky way into talk about, which sounds like an awful thing, but to talk about these deeper, darker issues that people often don't want to watch a film if you say it's, a, it's about the Ukrainian conflict. It's like, oh, I don't want to watch that. Right. But it's about a figure skater. Okay, maybe I'll watch that. You know what I mean? So it's that finding a nice way in, I guess. And, did, and after that experience, were you instantly taken by that and looking to do something? It, it did, I guess what I'm saying is, is like, did this project start with, wow, this was really interesting. I want to try this on a different and you were looking for a story to go go there off that short? Definitely. It was also, it won the prize at Sundance. Mm -hmm. So when it wins the prize at Sundance, everyone's like, how can we see this done yeah. as a feature? And how can yeah. we see this in America? And I just stupidly blurted out JonBenet Ramsey without even <laughs> thinking. And then, you know, three months later, I'd moved to Boulder and I was with my team and we were, you know, it's an experiment. You're Australian, right? Yeah. So what, 96, you're, I don't know, grade school? What, 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 middle school? I don't know. Uh, what? What did this case mean to you? Because we were, I mean, I grew up on the East Coast, so I was on the outside looking in. Mm -hmm. But you're also on the outside of the country in American culture looking in. So I have to assume some of this has to be grounded in how you saw the case at the time, right? Yeah, I was 11 or 12, and I had only ever seen, I mean, my knowledge of American life was I, I watched The Brady Bunch and Full House and had this kind of, picture-perfect idea of what the American family was like. So a case like this was, I was immediately fascinated because it punctured this image that I'd had of this kind of idyllic American suburbia. Um, so I was, yeah, fascinated by, I mean, also beauty pageants, we don't have those in Australia. It's a uniquely American phenomenon. So I was, yeah, drawn to it, I think, and it's, it stuck with me. It was, yeah, there's something about it. So the, the interviews are part, oh, I, before we move off the actors, how many people did you audition? 200, the 72 in the film. 200, and I don't want to get too far into this, but what, what is, I, I, I have to assume, you know, 
and we're going to talk about the recreations. There is these actors, some of them do take part in, in, in recreation scenes, but I assumed that they knew kind of going in that there wasn't really, you weren't going to necessarily do like a two hour, I don't know, docudrama about <laughs> this. They had to, you let them in on the process of, of, of how to do the, of what you were kind of after with this? Yeah, we needed them to be honest with us. We had to be very honest with them. Sure. So we had this initial kind of call out for a casting call that was very broad and just said, do you want to be part of a movie? Come down. Mm -hmm. Uh, but when they come down, everyone, you'll notice if you watch the film, that everyone that auditions is wearing a costume and is on a set. So before they put many, that many, on... Many of them, I love it too, because they're like, I wore this because. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like part of their process of like letting you know like yeah. their connection to the character. Yeah, exactly. It was fascinating. But <laughs> I would immediately sit them down and give them a 15-minute sort of spiel on how what I saw the film, to what, how I envisioned the film coming mm -hmm. together, which is that we will use their casting material in the film, mm -hmm. that they, multiple people will play the roles. We're not casting one person, we're casting multiple people for reenactment sequences. It's not a straight, you know, fiction film. It's something different. And um, it's an experiment. And will you jump down the rabbit hole with us? And 99% of them said, sure, why not? I mean... And one thing that you did that was, well, there's so many things that are smart about this movie, but... Um, you really, of that 200, really chose some people whose stories could kind of arc. Like, you limited that number. Mm. Um, I'm curious, what about, what was that selection process like? I mean, part of it is, I'm sure, their, their story themselves, but I'm also sure part of it is the way they mix together, like different versions of the mom, different versions of the dad, right? Yeah, I mean, we had this wealth of material because people would just open up in, in extraordinary ways. We did not, I did not expect them to be that honest and open and vulnerable with us. That was a real... So an embarrassment of riches. And yeah, in yeah. some ways, yeah. And then, so you have this mix of really heartbreaking emotional material, but you also have these bizarre kind of loony characters that come in and don't want to talk about JonBenet Ramsey but want to talk about BDSM or kink for 20 minutes and I'm like well oh, yeah. if you want to do that go for it you know whatever makes you comfortable right. so we had I felt like it, the edit was a tough balance of getting some moments of light of lightness because you don't want that it would be so heavy if right. it was just dark material for an hour and a half but it's such a such a tragic story we need to have some breaths of fresh air in there so yeah, it was just get, getting that balance right so the emotional trajectory kind of carries you through, but there are these moments where you can just relax a And then we bit. get to know them a little bit, because I think sometimes, mm -hmm. I watched a documentary uh, this weekend, um, and it was interesting material, but there was there was too many voices. Mm -hmm. There was this, this cacophony of just, and I wasn't able to connect or, or track, and you found like just that right number where I remembered these people and their stories are, are kind of tracking from beginning to end. And I'm so glad time, you said that. That's a lovely <laughs> thing. Um, so the movie does start. It's this beautiful blue night, mountains. I assume it's Boulder. Mm -hmm. We tilt down. There's the cop car and this beaut and this music. I don't know how to describe music, but something very, I don't know, Hollywood um, melodrama, but kind of like a little, little light. And then this beautiful cursive titles casting John Bonet. And one feels like we're about to enter this American story, this kind of very Hollywood story. And then later when there are recreations, um, beautiful lighting, nice set, you're all on the sound stage, um, very precise camera movements. Is there a part of you that wanted to make the narrative of this? Or is it, is it, is it, is it more about how that recreation balances with the with the performances 
Yeah, I don't know. I went to narrative film school, so I studied narrative filmmaking and I made short films that were narrative films, but I fell into documentary basically to get work out of film school. And I was, I still, I miss the control that you have in narrative filmmaking, but at the same time I love kind of the raw emotion that you get in documentary. So it was lovely to be able to balance the two. I was really excited to be able to, you know, make these big kind of lush cinematic sequences and, you know, an homage to Blue Velvet and, you know, whatever we can do. But all of that stuff was so fun and so amazing, but, but the heart of the movie really is the documentary content for me, which is all the kind of the material, like the, the, everything that's coming out of these people's mouths, which is real, it's their stories, personal stories. It, it strikes me, and this is just my impression, I, I don't know you or your work very well, but that, that, that you were someone that has a lot of narrative filmmaking instincts, mm -hmm. but there's something about the intimacy that you can get from documentary and, and I know the word hybrid gets used and thrown around and we were both the true false and you see lots of people playing with form but is that is that something is that is that this instinct that you have uh, a narrative filmmaking brain that there is like some natural instincts but there's something about what you're able to get through documentary and in the media scene and intimacy which you which you get in these interviews that in the in your young filmmaker just starting is that something that like you really want to explore is that is that really kind of where you see yourself yeah i was thinking after making this which is this kind of those stories that people tell are so heartbreaking and so real and so raw and i i i love that aspect of documentary and i don't want to lose that so part of me goes well if i moved into fiction it would be a little boring and if i moved into just making straight docs it would be more be boring so hopefully i can keep kind of pushing the boundaries of the form a little bit if people will let me do it. I'm curious, is there part of you, let's just take any one of your actors in, in this movie, is there part of you that if you turn that into a script, if you cast someone in that role, is there part of, is there, is there, this, is there an element of distance the more and more that you're putting yourself in there and the scripting and the acting and the directing phase that you you feel like you couldn't get that intimacy, that you couldn't get that moment, that there's something like so pure about what you're getting that you couldn't, that there's... Maybe, yeah, I guess. I, I mean, it's so, to be in that room with people when they're just telling you stories and you don't mm -hmm. know where they're gonna go and you're just sort of, you're, my mind was blown. These stories are incredible. Mm -hmm. like, and one of our cast was diagnosed with cancer between his first audition and his second audition. Like, just like kind of the human condition is on display you're like and it's sort of I don't know there is, I, yeah there's something about the intimacy I you, I agree yeah I agree with what you said like I don't know if I can recreate that with a scripted film but I mean you can, of course you can but mm -hmm. for me my interest level is sort of just I don't know some something about that raw material that um, they, yeah like, and I think that's exciting we live in this time where uh, filmmakers like yourself but you know, once again, I'm thinking about that whole community as true/false. We're moving more and more away from this binary. We lived in this world of pure documentary or pure fiction, and that it, there's a lot of exciting things where people are. Why can't I take a little bit of this or that and do my own thing as an artist, right? I mean, that's yeah. Yeah, that being said, I still see this as a documentary. It's not mm -hmm. like, I mean, these are real people telling real stories mm -hmm. about a real event that affected their community 20 years ago. So there is none of, none of that is fiction in any way. I mean, we do reenactments, but they're all based on their own experiences. I would call this a documentary, but I'd be interested in the future in kind of pushing that for a little further and playing more with, with the boundaries. Please do. Um, how much, now, 
cinematically and planned out, the, the, these recreations are very, very produced in, in a wonderful way. Um, when is that something where you started from the start with an understanding of wanting to do that, or is this was this an organic process where I mean you knew you wanted to do recreations, but the actual what you were going to do with them kind of came after the like when did you start conceiving of the shots of the recreations and is it is it from the start is this part of the concept or is it really the material that you got from the interviews and now where am I going to go from there? It was very, we didn't have a script, but it was very well planned out from the beginning. We had a, like a treatment, like a structural kind of synopsis of how I saw each scene playing out. And yet, I mean, it's not all, there's not a lot of detail, because I would say, interior Ramsey House night, mm -hmm. people interpret, I mean, reenact what their theory of what happened. So there's kind of broad strokes in there too, but at the same time we did, it was clearly kind of planned in some way. The idea of also the conception of the juxtaposition of the of the recreations, but also um, the interviews, is that something also where that how that's going to work in that balance is something that comes up in post, or is that something where also it's part of the design from the start? Like this idea that because sometimes it's very abrupt, sometimes it's very um, they're smacked right up against each other. Is that something where trying to find that balance came in the post-production, or was that something where you kind of knew how you were going to do that right from the start? Between the more cinematic sequences yeah. and the interview content? I mean, that was planned out, very well planned mm -hmm. out, actually. But I mean, the surprising thing is how raw and real and emotional it got in those interview pieces. And that sort of does change the tone of the cinematic pieces, mm -hmm. because they're people are bringing their own emotional baggage and their own kind of feelings to into these sequences which make them heavier or darker or lighter. So the emotional trajectory is what we built in the edit, I guess, and just hitting those notes and getting that right. Um, but everything else was pretty planned, yeah. So that ending, that kind of like operatic ending with, every, with all these people that we've just spent all this time in and seeing them and kind of moving in and out of like them, you know, eventually they all end up in the same place. That's something that you had designed from this, like whoever ends up making this movie is going to be in that part. Yeah, definitely. It was actually, well, everything except the final shot. We, we, we had that whole montage planned out, but that final mm -hmm. shot with everyone was like a midnight the night before, suddenly going, how, gonna, how am I going to end this sequence? And then thinking, well, can we get everyone in at 9 a.m. and just shoot it? How much um, time did you have for that for the set, for the, 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 the soundstage stuff? I think it was only like three days, and it was a lot of people. And so we had, it almost turned into this kind of community theater ensemble where we had to be very respectful of one another and just mm -hmm. try things out and sort of recycle people in different scenarios and let them make choices. And it was kind of an amazing experience to be part of the collective. Um, yeah, it's fabulous. Okay. Cassie and John Binet, everybody can see it on Netflix on Friday. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much.